1987, uh, 35 years ago this year, in Midland, Texas, a young mother was outside playing with her 18-month-old daughter. Uh, the phone rang, and she ran inside to take the call. And in that split moment, that split second, her young daughter, Jessica, fell into an uncovered well. When word got out, rescue workers moved into action, and they worked around the clock. Um, and people around the world actually prayed for her. Uh, her 18-year-old father at the time said this, With the Lord's help and your prayers, we know that little girl is going to make it. After 58, uh, this 58-hour ordeal, little Jessica was rescued. At the time, President Reagan said we all became godfathers and godmothers of little Jessica. Little Jessica, though, is not little anymore. And she's now 36, married with two little children of her own. And she still lives in Midland, Texas, just a couple miles from where the incident took place. Uh, they finally covered the uncovered well, and they marked it there. Now, reflecting on this event, she said this in an interview, I had God on my side. My life is a miracle. And church, this is a story, just looking back, a story of innocence and a story of understanding of how good God is, a God who actually intervenes. We would not pray to God unless we knew that God intervenes. It is a story of the preciousness of life, the story of a miracle, the story of a caring community, a caring, a caring hearts of many people, of hard work to save a life, a story of hope and a story of a little one being rescued. No one at that time would have said, just leave her down there. Um, she's not worth saving. It's nature's way of weeding out the weak. Her quality of life won't be good after this crisis. The reason they did not say this, and I want you to hear, because cultural fault is shifting. Uh, the reason that was not said is largely because they understood the fact that human life was special. That everyone is made in the image of God and has value. And church, as dark as our present culture is, we still see um, that many honor the way of life. The very fact that human beings have value, that we are made in the image of God. Yet at the same time, there are those who are fighting tooth and nail to defend the right to kill a baby. And I want you to know, you may not be tracking very close of how bad it's become. And I want you to know why. Because we've been afraid to discuss the issues, because it made people upset, or we were not capable of dealing with the issues or speaking to them, we buried it we didn't want to deal with it. I had a young lady tell me this week, at our table we don't talk about politics because it makes people upset. That has made us a people very inept, not able to speak to the issues we need to speak to. But things are worse than we or many think they are. For example, Kermit Gosnell, raise your hand if you know, if you guys would scroll forward. An abortion doctor, Kermit Gosnell, 
what some have called a serial killer. If you look him up on Wikipedia, it will call him a serial killer. In 2013, he was convicted of murdering three infants who were born alive. Now raise your hand if you remember that. Few. Because it's not talked about because it's so horrible to even deal with. He murdered babies after they were born. And one patient died because of how he treated her. In recent days, lawmakers, even in California, have worked to legalize killing a baby at four weeks old after birth. A month old. And it's edging away from the idea that, oh, it's not really a life. It's moved beyond that. Are they really even a person yet? So on one end, we still live in a time where people would prosecute like someone like Kurt Gosnell. And we still live in a culture where there's professions where people want to rescue lives. There's people that have as a profession that they would go into a burning building to rescue a life. That you can call 911 and someone comes to help. Uh, there are still people that go into the medical profession uh, to rescue lives, to, to help people. And on the other hand, we have people who enter professions that make lots of money ending a child's life, and it's called health care. It is a work of death. Now here it is, church. The battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness is very real. Um, and I want you to hear this as we were just singing this blessing of God. That is the prayer I say in my home at night. We sing it to Emma. The Lord bless you and keep you. Because it is a blessing upon you and your children and their children. If any of you have ever sk skipped the book of Numbers because we found it too boring, that blessing is actually found in the book of Numbers. But the polarization in our culture is not because Christians are being too judgmental or whatever the popular trending narrative is. It's because we live in a time where death is actually celebrated. I saw a picture this week or last week of a young girl holding a sign that says, I wish my mother aborted me. And you never know today that maybe, you know, it could have been photoshopped, so you don't know how valid things are today, but she was wearing a mask. And I was like, well, she doesn't care about her life, but she does care about her life. It's very distorted. Um, but things are polarized because we live in a time where death is celebrated, and that obviously is going to cause a clash of ideologies because the church celebrates life and promotes life. An ancient Christian writing called the Didache, in the first part, it is a teaching they said of the apostles to the people. It says this right at the beginning. There are two ways, one of life, one of death. And there is a great difference between the two. So obviously Christianity in the beginning and in the past was a way of life. And there is a way of life, death as well. And here it is. This is what we need to remember. There's a big difference. Our culture is trying to mesh the two together. The language is shifting. I saw a sign yesterday in town of some people gathered around some of the intersections that said pro-choice is pro-life. Death is not life. Don't be easily confused. Now God reminds His people of these two very different paths 
when they were preparing to enter the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I want to share this with you. you know, last week, uh, we were talking about the people being rescued from Egypt, and what were they complaining? Remember, they were complaining they wanted to go back. And we talked about as Christians, we are not a people that go back. We don't draw back. We open up ourselves. We let God fill us with His life. We continue on and pursue Him. And here it is in Deuteronomy. If you understand the first five books of the Bible, God has already given them the law. That is the book of Leviticus. The, the priests, the Levites, the law-giving. And here it is. They, they didn't want to go into the promised land. Remember the spies came back, and here it is, they had to do 40 years in, in the desert, and God had to allow that generation, the unbelieving generation, to die off. And here they are on the verge of entering into the promised land. And God tells them this, and Jessica's read the primary scripture for us, and I just want you to see these two here, 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth to witness against you. Now at that time, what they, do, they did, they would call witnesses of the gods, and because there is one God that we know, He calls heaven and earth as witnesses. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, or cursing in some translations. Therefore, here's the choice. Choose the way of God. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. God didn't say when things get bad, kill off your kids. God never said if you don't think you can make it financially or if you don't think your quality of life is going to be good, that you're not going to be able to go to college and party and ruin your life. Uh, he doesn't say any of that. He says that your life, your offspring may live. Choose life. Loving the Lord your God. Obeying His voice and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days. Everything associated with God is good and blessing and life. And here it is as a reminder, as you enter this land filled with all kinds of other gods and all kinds of other religions, remember that this is the way of life. Don't be immersed in their ways. And as you know, they would, many would be over time, and we see what happens. They actually would sacrifice their own children to Molech. Now, some ancient uh, theologians say that they were giving them up to prostitution, and some say they would enter the fires of Molech. That means they sacrificed their children and also to these gods of fertility. But either way, if they were given to um, trafficking or if they were given to abortion, they're both horrible. Uh, the reminder, believe God, trust His commands. He is the way of life. Let's pray together today. God in heaven, we love you. We bless your holy name. And Lord, we thank you for your life. We thank you for teaching us the way of life because there is the way of death. And broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there find it. But I pray that we are a people that help people to find it. That we continue to teach what is true. And Lord, we apologize as a church for believing the lies of the culture. That many have wanted to go back to Egypt. That others brought in the teaching of Egypt. And other religions, as we see the emergence of progressive Christianity. But Lord, we want to be true Christianity purified, a people that follow the Lord of life and your teachings. 
And Lord, if we can't answer all these questions, that we just continue to trust in You, but that, Lord, we learn how to deal with these subjects. That we stand in truth regardless of how we're shamed and blamed. That we remain strong on Your firm foundation and Your truth. Let us love in truth and grace. Let's reach many for You, for Your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. The church, again, a reminder, we are a people of life and we serve the Lord of life who has come to end the finality of death with His own death and resurrection. That's what we celebrated at Easter, that Christ died for us. He has given us eternal life. I preached a lot about that. He has offered life to us. He offers us His life through the work that He has done. Yet we live in a time where death is offered as an alternative It is an option today, and people are accepting the gift of death provided by the enemy and the world system. We live in a time that we would call death works, and I'll speak to that shortly. Um, Now, we're entering to this period, I've talked to you about an interim period between sermon series, Um, but I'm going to be dealing with cultural fault, ideologies, morality in the church, uh, the church's role in the culture that we find ourselves And this is the reason why. Uh, The people want to be in Bible studies. That is great. We need the truth of God. The problem is, is that we haven't studied the Word and also understood how to speak about the truth of God into the culture. A Christianity is a totalizing view of reality. It lays claim to all areas of life. We have authority as the church of Jesus Christ to speak on every issue. We have the answers to origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. What we teach speaks into human sexuality. It speaks about sex. It speaks about the economy. All things, every issue the culture is dealing with, every political issue. We do not say, I don't want to be political. The kingdom business of God is very political. Uh, They didn't kill Jesus because He was just a nice guy and said, hey, I don't want to deal with these subjects. He actually got into people's faces and said, that is evil. You are a hypocrite. These things are wrong. Now we do this with love and grace. Jesus is love and was still killed and crucified. But we are called as God's people to speak into all issues. The gospel is an all-encompassing worldview. It is not an additional set of beliefs that fit into another worldview. I talked about that last week. We don't say, I believe whatever the world says, and I sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it. That is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, He's your Master, it is His teachings and His commands. Now here it is. You heard me say the term, death works. And I want to talk to you about that today. And Jesus told us in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What is Satan's mission? Murder. Death. Jesus said, I came that they may have life. That they may have abundant life. Eternal life. Now many of you know already that Christ came to give us life and that Satan's, Satan is a worker of death and his kingdom of the world. His followers are workers of evil and death. The problem is that we have a generation that has rejected God and with Him life and all the blessings that come with it. We see the effects in culture and in church. We cannot play blind and turn a blind eye anymore to what's going on. 
Uh, people were talking about uh, prayer being taken out of school, all these things, is a systematic removal of references to sacredness and God. There is a rise of death works in our culture. Now, what is a death work? I've been reading, a, I had to read a book for college, and the class, you, you just think, well, we're going to go read some Bible, you know, and study God that way. Um, this professor wants us to understand culture. And the name of the class, the title of the class is Ideological Threats to the Church. Because there are threats or ideas that come into the church. So in this book, Truman, uh, he writes this book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he defines death works for us. And he was borrowing from another uh, person named Reef. And I'm going to share it with you. Now in this book, it explains where we are. How have we gotten to where we are where a man can say he actually is a woman on the inside. And that everyone is supposed to buy into that and celebrate it. How did we get to this place? And here it is in this section, and I want you to see as he defines death works. Death works make the old values look ridiculous. If you've ever been mocked for Christianity, it's because of the rise of death works. They present not so much arguments against the old order as subversions of it, they aim at changing the aesthetic taste and sympathies of society so as to undermine the commands on which that society was based. The West is based on the things of God and Scripture. The highest authority, the old, older world, God, is literally cast into the sewer, the lowest of the low. The sacramental is made into excremental. And just to be clear, this is not simply an assault on the private religious sensibilities of the Roman Catholics. It is an assault on the very authority, the sacred order of things in culture. Its power lies not in any argument. Notice this, when you're debating with people, they, they don't want the answer. I've debated with many people, they don't want the answer. They ask another question, they just go on the attack, they don't want it. Here it is. Its power lies not in any argument it proposes, but rather in the way the clean is subverted by the vile. Whatever was good must be vile. There is no debate. Religion is not rendered untrue. It is made distasteful and disgusting. You're just judgmental. You're intolerant. You're not accepting. We must make you be, look as if you are vile and unloving. An example of this can be found, and I hated to show this, but I just, I, this is one example you need to see. Also in 1987, this artist emerges, Andres Serranos. He has this in, infamous work entitled Immersion Piss Christ, which is a photograph of a crucifix shown submerged in the artist's urine. Now this is 1987, guys. This is, this is 35 years ago we began to see the emergence of death works at this time because it's not just, I don't believe in Christianity, it's that we must make it vile. It is excrement. It is the worst of the worst. It's a symbol of something deeper, deeply sacred, yet now it's being presented in a form that degrades it and makes it utterly repulsive. Now this artist would say that he is a Christian, that he's always been a Christian, that he is a Christ follower, but if you look at the photographs that he does and the artwork that are presented in museums, you'll, you'll realize he is not a Christian, but he says that he is. This death work is an assault on the sacred to destroy what you would consider 
holy. The crucifix, Christ, the worst of the worst. Death works like this find its way into art, uh, movies, music. I rarely see a movie where Christianity is shown in a positive light. In fact, when I became a pastor, I was paying attention to movies that had pastors. They're always stealing money or perverts. The, the guy with the collar is the bad guy, predominantly in the stories. A death work takes what is sacred and destroys the good. This is in culture. It's being taught. People are already influenced by this. Now, I want to give you some examples of death works. The two primary ones that we're seeing in our culture is pornography and abortion. Let's look at pornography first. Now, many of you feel uncomfortable because we're dealing with some subjects you don't want to talk about or you struggle with. And here it is in all of this. Like if I talk about divorce, the Bible teaches that divorce is wrong. It gives exceptions for certain reasons. And you may feel, somebody may feel shame and they reflect on what has happened. There's always forgiveness in the church. If you've dealt with these things, we want to rescue from that. We want you to have healing and forgiveness. But at the same time, we're still in the battle. There was a Christian artist years ago asked what her thoughts were on homosexuality. This is how she answered. I have friends who are homosexual, so I can't even speak to that. And here's the deal. I have friends who are as well. I have friends who have thieves. I have friends who have stolen, do drugs, had abortions and all those. But guess what? We still have to speak to the issues. I love them, but this is the worldview. This is Christianity. Now here it is, a death work, pornography. Paul says this, flee from sexual immorality... Some translations you will have fornication. You would hear, you hear people uh, say, we're, just, we're living together. No, you're shacking up and fornicating. Right? Now, you guys didn't laugh at that. Now, I, when I share my story, I want you to know that I did it, we did everything backwards first. And God rescued us from those things. But we're trying to teach the reality of what's going on. Pornography, flee from sexual immorality, fornication. Every other sin... A person commits is outside the body. If you murder someone, you're murdering someone else. If you lie to them, you lie to someone else. It's outside the body. But the sexual, immoral person sins against his own body. You're destroying your own conscience, your own body. Now, what does this word mean, fornication or sexual immorality? In the Greek, here we have the word pornia. It appears 26 times in the New Testament. It means not only what you would think shacking up or whatever, it means adultery at times. Um, That you were married and you're having sex with someone else. It means fornication, sex before marriage. It means homosexuality at times. Lesbian behavior, intercourse, even with animals, which was an issue at the time and, and still today. And even at times it's used figuratively as idolatry. That the people of God committed adultery because they went after other idols. Pornaya is the root word from the English words that we use, pornography and pornographic. So when we come to pornography, the idea is that you know that pornaya, sexual immorality, porn, all the things outside of marriage is wrong. Now what is pornography? We could all say, well, it's just looking at these things. And I could say that looking at these things are wrong. But I want you to see something. In a catechism of the Catholic Church, they help define what it is, and you can actually see the destructiveness of pornography in it. They have it this way in in their definition of it. Pornography consists in removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. Now other people get to see the sexual act. 
It offends against chastity, which would mean purity or abstinence, waiting, being pure, because it perverts the conjugal act. The intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants. So the people who are participating in it, it hurts them. The actors, the vendors of it, and the public who view it since each one becomes an object of the base pleasure and illicit profit for others. It is done, uh, people are addicted, they're giving money to these things. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. It is a grave offense. That means this thing is deadly. They go as far to say this, civil authorities should prevent the production and distribution of pornographic materials. You know how they got it in? They claimed as, that it was freedom of speech, of speech and press, and here it is, and everything is disgusting and it is multiplied. The death work aspect of pornography takes human sexual activity and divorces it from moral, the moral context of marriage. It desecrates the holy that you were created, if you want to be together, to marry, and marriage is holy and sacred. Sacredness of celibacy. Um, by the way, Christ was celibate. The Son of God, Paul, as far as we know, and many, and throughout Christianity, people chose the celibate life. Today, everybody thinks they have to have a partner, and they end up with 15 different partners that none of them worked out when all they needed to do was fulfill their heart with Christ first and allow them to bring the person to them. Celibacy, chastity, it, it, it destroys the sacredness of marriage and life itself, and tramples upon it. It is a death work. If you're engaging in pornography, you are engaging in a death work. Perversion is offered in a culture as a better way, and it is destructive. As the church, what do we offer? I mean, when people struggle, why would I want to get married and all these things? But they end up doing a, an artificial version. They still live together. They still have sex and many would have children, but they divorce it from the real nature of the good thing that God has given us. We offer the intimacy of marriage. Did you know statistically it's proven that sex within marriage, people are more satisfied than casual sex? It is more intimate and can get better. So we offer marriage, we offer celibacy for those. Abstinence, non-destructive relationships, when people just sleep together, they're taking advantage of one another. And they're hurting each other. Uh, we offer what is real and authentic. Marriage, monogamy, uh, monogamy celibacy. Uh, these solve a lot of problems in the world. However, pornography deceives people. And it is destructive. Um, and actually, I want to go as far as to say it fuels rape culture. I, I had somebody share a story that somebody was on a, an illegal site, dark websites, where um, somebody had plotted, and this is going on all the time, to kidnap a girl and rape her. This is not new. This has been going on. There's videos in dark porn sites of people raping people, and they're recording it. So it's not only, hey, I want to see a naked woman or a dude. It's that I want the, the, the forbidden, the, the evil and vileness of it, that it would go as far as kidnapping persons and raping them and videoing, and people watch this stuff. And guess what it makes them want to do? Can you believe there is such a thing as child pornography? This is what it is. Someone is raping a child, recording it, 
and putting it out there for people to watch. It is evil. It is a death work. And it fuels this culture, this rape culture. It fuels human trafficking. That I want to have sex outside of responsibility. That I can go in and just pay money, have sex with somebody that has been kidnapped and move on about my business. It is a death work. And here it is. Moving into a result of not wanting responsibility. Again, life, and, and here it is, abortion is a death work. Do not be deceived in saying they would have been better off not being born. And this is an argument today. What about uh, somebody says they wish they'd never been born? Depression does not give somebody the right to commit suicide or believe in abortion. And here it is, the way of life again. I call heaven and earth to witness against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, we've seen a widespread acceptance and even promotion of, of abortion, and it is coming to the church, progressive Christianity and these things. Well, you're actually pro-life by being pro-choice. Actually, you're helping people by allowing them to kill a baby. They will not tell you the statistics of the people who have committed or had an abortion and the guilt and shame and mental health issues they've had because of it. The debates about abortion today are typically not focused on the question of when life starts. Actually, what we're seeing is they don't even care if they want to kill a baby after it's actually born. Rather, they are debates about when personhood begins, a point used to argue for the legitimacy of infanticide. Well, they're not really a person until this many weeks. And it's moving away. It used to be in the womb. They were not considered alive or a person yet. And here it is. And we talked about the statistics. What is the argument that everybody uses? What if they are raped? What about incest? Remember we talked about 1%? 0.05% for incest. But we should have a law that kills 64 million babies. The fact that babies can be aborted and then disposed of like garbage is a telltale sign that abortion is a death work. Now the reason we're dealing with this today is not because of what's going on presently. I think we should be praying against the abortion clinic, that we should be praying and supporting um, um, true care and ministries like that. Uh, this is what God gave me to talk about because we've failed in dealing with it. We've not spoken to it accurately. And I have Christians arguing for abortion. And, and if I was ever in a debate, though you can give the statistics and the reality and all these things, that's not really what somebody wants in the debate. This is what I would say at the end of the day in debate. Well, what about incest? So you're saying a woman should be able to kill her baby. What about rape? So what you're saying is that a woman should be able to kill her baby. Or what about this? What about the health of the mother, which is a rare instance? When is the last time you knew somebody was between them and the baby and they had to make a choice? It's so rare, it's, un it's unheard of, but that's used as an excuse. My debate is this. So you believe it's okay to kill a baby. That's really what the argument is about at the end of the day. So it's not simply because it, it, it's a work of death because of the unborn child is killed. It's a death work because it attacks the sacredness of life. A human life made in the image of God from the moment of conception is sacred. 
We honor that as Christians. We understand that God has made us and breathed life into us. And even subsequently, as you are pregnant now, God is forming a baby in the womb. They are alive. Abortion becomes anti-religious. It takes what is most sacred in the social order, life itself, flushes it down the toilet without a second thought. Now, what is the biblical and Christian perspective? It is the way of life. Genesis chapter 1, humanity is made in the image of God, and we are to display that. Uh, Exodus 20, you shall not murder. Now, the translation was shifted, and everybody should go around and say you should not kill. It is you should not murder. If someone actually murders someone else, we're given authority to actually remove them because they don't understand the sacredness of life, that all are made in the image of God. Jesus said this, don't, oh, if you have hard times abort your kids. He didn't say that. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Psalm 127, children are an heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. That means a child is a reward. And it goes further than that. A man who has a full quiver, five arrows, is blessed. We have five. Uh, we are blessed to have kids. It would have never crossed my mind to say, ah, I don't want that. That's too much trouble. And it is trouble. Let's be honest. Raising kids is not easy. Raising adult kids is not easy. But here it is. We are to raise kids and love them and bless them. It doesn't matter. Divorce happens. Crisis happens. We as parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we want to celebrate life and be there to support life. The choice has always been ours, and God wants us to choose what is good. Exodus chapter 1. The Hebrews had grown to so many people. Pharaoh ordered the midwives who were having the babies to, when the male child comes out, strangle them. Abort the child. You know what they did? He said, they're feisty. No Christians are supposed to be nice. They actually says they were feisty. Those, those Hebrew women are feisty. They won't do it. And we need to get a little feisty. That we don't believe in those ways. That we teach the way of life. The Didache again, early Christian writings. Now they'll say, well, Christians didn't always believe in, in, in pro. The church has always been about life. Read the Apostles. Read the early church, the Didache, and not inspired writing, but historical nonetheless, a teaching to the early church. Now this is the way of life. The second commandment of the teaching, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not corrupt boys, do not fornicate, do not steal, do not practice magic, do not go in for sorcery. Here it is. Do not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. Where's the argument? The church has always been for life. It's always been that way. You know what happened in the Greco-Roman culture? If a Roman citizen did not want their child, they could leave them out on the doorstep to die by elements. It was normative. And people would come and take them if they were a girl or even a boy and bring them into prostitution. You know what the church starts doing? They start rescuing aborted babies. They heard the cries on the steps or the door and they would come and rescue. A lot of the early church was made up of slaves and, and aborted children that were given up to die. The early church believed in not aborting children, not to kill a newborn infant, not by abortion. 
There are many death works prevalent in our culture. Uh, I don't have time to hit them all today. Human trafficking. I think progressive Christianity is a war against that which is sacred in the church. It is a death work. I think drug culture. When in history have we started to permit people to say it's okay to destroy their lives with drugs? Well, it's their choice to destroy themselves and their families and all this. We have a drug culture emerging. uh, emerging. Uh, But many death works in the culture. Now in closing, our job as the church, as Christians, is to continue to offer the way of life. The way of Christ. Um, the Christian view of reality. Now, uh, I'm going to invite my wife to come at this time. She has a little bit to share with you as we prepare to close. As she comes, I'm reiterating the Didache. There are two ways, church. One of life, one of death. There's a great difference between the two. And Christians should support organizations that promote the way of life. Is this on? Okay. I'm Jessica Elkins. I am the wife to Pastor Elkins, and this is a part of my testimony. So bear with me as I get through it. About 27 years ago, I was a teenager still in high school, and I became pregnant. I was not living for Christ, and my mama was not living for Christ either. My mother wanted me to have an abortion, but due to my Christian upbringing, I knew that it was wrong, and I did not want to have an abortion. My mom, against my will, went ahead and scheduled an appointment um, at a local clinic. She thought it was an abortion clinic, hoping to have the workers there talk me into an abortion. They took us into two separate rooms, and they spoke to us separately, and they um, showed us pictures and videos and things like that. Um, It turns out that even though my mom wanted me to have an abortion, she had accidentally taken me to a pregnancy crisis center, much like True Care. They brought my mom and I back into the same room. She had been crying, and um, they told me that she had changed her mind after viewing the pictures and hearing what actually happens during an abortion. I share this story with you today because we support ministries like True Care here in Casper. Um, They are able to care for young mothers in crisis, some who are determined to have an abortion and help them see that they have a life growing inside them, made in the image of God and with a purpose. Places like True Care, along with the church, point people to the way of life and intercept works of Satan. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Good job. Um, thank you for sharing that. It's hard to hear that because we were, you're on the verge of this thing that actually could have happened. We share that with you today, um, as Jessica said, because we believe in the way of life. For the church to be pro-life, to work against this dead work, we have to also be pro-adoption, pro-helping organizations like True Care, um, helping mothers in need, whatever it takes, that we can bless them in the life of the baby. Uh, as we close in prayer today, we just want to ask you to pray for those in need that you may know. Uh, we are working in prayer to stop this clinic they're trying to start.
It makes it too easy and convenient to kill a baby. And that more people are funding and helping true care that shows them the way of life, that there's a baby here, uh, and that they can, the child, it, there's better options than just killing the baby. Let's close in prayer. God in heaven, we love you. We bless your holy name. We learn in the book of Revelation that the enemy was overcome by the blood of the, the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I pray that we continue to testify of the goodness of God. And Lord, that we are thankful that you offer forgiveness, that you offer healing, that you offer hope. And Lord, that we continue to be a beacon of light in Casper as we work as hard as we can to reach Casper for you. Let us stand firm in the teachings that have been passed down to us, that we remain faithful to you. And Lord, working against the death works and promoting the way of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, if you would stand up. Um, I'm going to just bless you, and I think Jack has something. Jack, you can come forward if you need to share that. Here it is, what we sang. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, to lift His face to you and to give you peace.